0: Oh, that's wonderful. Look at that, six beautiful girls and two ugly guys, and they sounded wonderful together. I'm so honored to be here. I came to this church for the first time 48 years ago this month, 1975, a pastor school. And I was not a pastor. I thought I would be. I had preached at First Baptist of Bridgeport, but had not begun, had not been voted on. And I listened to everything Brother Heil said. And one of the things that struck with me, he said, the first thing you need to do when you go home is to love your people. That was revolutionary to me. I didn't say I love you to anybody except my wife. Didn't tell my mother I loved her, my father I loved him. Wasn't done in those days. And so many wonderful things that I learned with his help, thank you. Some of you were here then and are here now. Thank you for being faithful through all those years. Uh, Thank you for the beautiful room, the mercy suite, and thank you to the men who climbed up and got in the lift and made it so the flagpole didn't clang right outside the bedroom window. That was a blessing. Now, if you can only work on the trains, that'll be a, a nice next thing. I'm so glad my wife Chrissy is here. She asked me not to introduce her, and she's right back there in the way. Would you stand, sweetheart? We've been married almost 50 years. And uh, this beautiful lady has put up with me for all this time. Appreciate your kindness to us. Thank you for praying for me. I had an issue with a tumor on my larynx and they did radiation and chemotherapy back in the summer. And uh, uh, then they did a scope in December that was clear. I have another one coming up in April. And uh, I appreciate it. My doctor said that 75% of the patients that she treats will recover 80 to 90% of their voice, and the other 25% become country singers. So I was in Texas last week, and I picked up the belt, the bolo, and the boots just in case. Our text is a strange story. Now, trouble with us who have been saved a while, we think we know the stories, so we don't pay attention to them. The Lord Jesus leaves the land of Israel and he goes into the coast of Tyre and Sidon, a pagan place. Jezebel's queen of the Zidonians, that's Zidon, Sidon, same place. When he gets there, as soon as he gets there, a lady comes up and she says, Lord. That's good, she knew he was the master. Thou son of David, she knew he was the messiah. Have mercy on me. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And the Bible says he answered her not a word. Is that nice? Pastors kindly let me put a table of resources in the back, supposing you come by, purchase several hundred dollars worth of materials. Do you always laugh at prophetic utterances? <laughs> And you say, Brother that thanks for coming. And I say, and you say, that was a good sermon. And I say, and you say, would you sign the book I just bought? And I say, what would you say? Would you say, what a nice guy? He's so humble. He didn't even think he was worthy to speak to me. You would say, what a jerk. First-class, double-barreled, triple-stitched jerk. I come, I buy a bunch of his nonsense, I lie to him and tell him I liked the sermon, and he wouldn't even talk to me. But it gets worse. The disciples get in the act. And they say, send her away. She crieth after us. Get this screaming Mimi out of here. That was one of the disciples' favorite ministries, the send them away ministry. (laughs) Send them away. They might get something to eat. Uh, We're supposed to have a day off, Mark chapter 6. Now, I did pastor the same church for 44 years, so I do understand that there are some times I might have prayed, Lord, send them away. And Jesus answers. And he says to her, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Lady, I can't help you. You're not Jewish. Is that nice? Brother Moffat's going to take my wife and I to lunch. Suppose we go to a Mexican restaurant. The Mrs. Schaefer said, let them know if you have a place you like. We love Mexican food. I may be a gringo, but I like habaneros and jalapenos and tortillas and tamales and tosadas and all the rest of it. Mexican food's great. It's all four things, but if they leave it flat, it's a tostada. If they fold it, it's a taco. If they roll it up, it's a burrito. It's great. Meat, cheese, rice, beans, but wonderful. And he says, I know a great place. In fact, it's operated by people from Mexico. The food's really authentic. And we drive up there, and there's a sign that says, no gringos allowed. Is that nice? The Bible says in Christ there's neither Greek nor Jew, barbarian nor Scythian, bond or free. Circumcision or uncircumcision, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter how you look. If you're saved and I'm saved, we have way more, in, way more in common in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fact that we're brothers and sisters than any other differences we have. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd been this lady, about now I'd be getting ready to check out. Jesus won't speak to her. Disciples say get rid of her. Then the Lord says, "Ah, you're not Jewish. I don't know anybody's not a Jew. I'd imagine if I were in her spot, I'd think, you know, whatever I heard about it must not have been right. But the Bible says, then she worshipped him. Wow. And he says, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs, to give it to dogs. Now, it's not a nice thing to call somebody a dog today. A new girl comes into college at semester, and somebody says, what's she like? Oh, man, she is a dog. (laughs) Oh, give me her number. I want to call her. But in Bible times, it's about the worst thing you could imagine. It's not me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And and I imagine if I'd have been here, I'd have been ready to call some government agency and say that I'd been discriminated against and been mistreated. I'd go to the news media and tell them how badly I had been cared for by the Lord Jesus. But you know what she said? She said, truth, Lord. You're right. I'm a dog. But if you want to use that analogy, Lord, would you take it one step further? Even a dog gets a crumb from the master's table. And the Lord Jesus said, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. What's going on here? Why did this lady go through all that? I want to give you some lessons from the story. I call this sermon, Crummy Christians. The first thing I want you to notice is that the Lord Jesus wants us to be persistent with him. Now, here's a lady. She comes and she she could have been helped immediately. She could have said, Lord, thou son of David. Hey, you know I'm the Lord. You know I'm the the Messiah. I'll heal your daughter. Didn't happen. Now, Bible scholars, some of them have said, well, what happened here was the Lord's ministry was not yet opened unto the Gentiles, and uh, he wasn't originally going to help her, but she was so persistent and she had such a good heart that he changed his mind. You think? I talked to a man one time said that Jesus didn't know who he was when he was a little boy until Mary and Joseph told him. Well, that would be an interesting conversation. And I played Dirty Pool. I used a really obscure Bible verse to answer him. I said, no, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, Jesus has always been God. He became man in Bethlehem's manger. He did that because you and I are rotten sinners and deserve to die and go to hell. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. If I had to pay for my sin myself, I'd have to die and go to hell forever, and so would you. But God loves us. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. If you're here today and you don't know for sure if you'd go to heaven when you died, if you don't know if you died today that you'd go to heaven, you can know that absolutely positively on the authority of the word of God before you walk out of this room this morning. The Lord Jesus came, was born of a virgin, became man, all man and all God at the same time, never sinned one time. And then he went to the cross and the Bible says Christ died for us. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. We owe the penalty of death in hell. Jesus died for us. It says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from your sins. Saved from dying and going to hell. Saved to everlasting life in heaven. I don't know any better news than that. But the Lord Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do at the end of the story. At the beginning of the story. So why did he not answer her right away? Why does the Bible say, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock, and the door shall be opened unto you? And and you've been taught that those, those are in what some people call a linear tense, a continual tense in the Greek language. It doesn't mean just ask once, just seek once, just knock once. It means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. I don't know Greek, but I believe that's right, because at the end of that story, the Lord Jesus tells the story of an importunate friend. And he came to a friend at midnight. Now, in the Bible, midnight was not the end of the 11 o'clock news. It was the middle of the night. They went to bed about dark, they got up about daylight. And here's this guy. And most homes had one room, everybody lived in the same room. And he's in sleep, his wife's asleep, the kids are asleep. And Hey, hey, I need some bread. Go away. Come back. I'll see you tomorrow. I need some bread. It's late. You're going to wake everybody up. We'll have a lousy night and a miserable day. If you wake our kids up, it's going to ruin us. I need some bread. And the Bible says that not because he was his friend, but because of his importunity he gave unto him. The Lord wants us to do that. The song says, just keep on praying. The light breaks through. Just keep on praying. He'll answer you. God hears from heaven. His word is true. Just keep on praying. God will answer you. And, and this woman kept asking kept asking, kept believing, kept faithful. Why does God want us to do that? My dad prayed for his dad for 17 years before his dad got saved. Now, I don't know all the reasons, but I do know that's what the Bible says. I I, I, I imagine that if God gave you everything you need the moment you got saved, it probably wouldn't be a good deal. All the money you'll ever need, all the possessions you'll ever need, all the education you'll ever need, as soon as you get saved. Probably wouldn't be good, especially some people look at the bank, they got 40 bucks, and they'd wonder about their life expectancy. So imagine this. Imagine every time you ask for anything, it shows up immediately. Lord, I need a new, oh, there it is, just pulled in, thank you. You know, the more I pray, the closer I get to God. The longer I pray for something, the more excited I am when it comes. The more that I pray, the more I'm reminded of my dependence on God. The longer I pray for something and see an answer, the more likely I'm to be excited and to glorify God. And Jesus wants us to be persistent with him. Listen, there are Wayward children God wants to bring back. There are lost loved ones the Lord Jesus wants to save. There are broken marriages God wants us to see put back together. There are health issues God wants to deal with it. But he wants us to be persistent with him. Lesson number two. We worship Jesus because of who he is. Not because of what he does for us. Oh, God's been good to me. Man, I just got a great job with a raise and pay. God's been good to me. The doctor gave us a good report. God's been good to me. I, I was able to get the payments adjusted and keep my house. And we should praise God when those things happen. And God is good to us. But church, I want to remind you, God is good to you when you lose your job. God is good when the doctor says it's malignant. God is good when they come and say, we're going to have to move you out of the house. God is good because he's God and he's always good. And I don't understand everything that he's doing, but he's always at work. And I don't worship him because of what he does for me. I worship him because of who he is. Yes. lesson number three how many lessons are there less than 25 maybe a few enough you'll beat the Lutherans to lunch who knows lesson number three we must accept Jesus view of us lady you're a dog truth lord I heard a preacher tell about a very wealthy lady, came to get saved, and obviously uh, a lady of means, fancy jewelry, expensive clothing, fur coat, and uh, he she was in tears, convicted of her sin, and they knelt to the altar, and he said, ma'am, just pray this after me, Lord, I know I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. And she didn't say anything. Ma'am, I, I know you're kind of overtaken with emotion. I'm just going to pray, Lord, I know I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. She didn't say anything. And he looked over, and she was glaring at him. And she said, I'm not a dirty, rotten sinner. I'm a nice sinner. No nice sinners. Not in the eyes of God. Oh, you may compare yourself to somebody else and think you're doing pretty well. But the Bible doesn't say all have sinned and come short of the glory of their neighbor. All have sinned and come short of the glory of their coworker. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we must accept Jesus' view of us. Preacher, you've been here 10 years, right? I'm going to guess in that time that uh, probably you've had to do some marriage counseling with somebody. It's always the same. The wife comes in, never the husband. Men don't have any problems that they acknowledge. (laughs) What's the problem? And the wife usually says something like this, it's my husband. Well, I don't think I stay with him. Why not? Well, every morning he gets up and he makes breakfast, brings it to me in bed, and then he gets the kids ready and takes them to school, and makes their lunches, and every time we go out to eat, he picks my favorite restaurant. If I have the slightest hint of wanting anything, he buys it for me. And you tell him I'm sick and tired of him doing so much for me. If he doesn't let me do something for him, I'm out of here. Is that, is that about right? Now, I can't imagine this. If I moved to this area, I'd join this church if they'd let me the first Sunday I was here. I, I can't think of a finer man under whose leadership to place myself and my family than your pastor. I can't think of a man I have more confidence in who is a more godly man. Uh, uh, I would. But, but uh, I imagine in spite of that, maybe a time or two somebody's left. It's always the same. Pastor, you love us. You're kind to us. You learned our name right away. You know our children's names. You pray for us. The other day, you got new classrooms, and you gave me one of the best classes, and I'm sick and tired of you being so good to me when there's other people in this church that deserve it much more. If you don't start doing something for them and not for me, I'm out of here. Is that about right? <laughs> Here's a verse. Only by pride cometh yep. contention. Yep. Only. We can disagree on things. You might like to drive a Ford, and I might like to drive a car that runs. (laughs) I might cheer for the Lions, and you might cheer for a team that wins. But only by pride cometh contention. Do you know if we realize who we are, we won't have any of those kind of issues? She said, I'm a dog. You're right. Wow. Dogs never get upset because the neighbor's dog has a fancier collar. They never complain because the neighbor's dog's dish is more expensive or he gets better food. You feed the dog and water a dog and pet him on the head and he'll just come around and and, and be affectionate and, and a good dog. And you know what? Maybe instead of calling each other brother and sister, we gotta call each other dog and doggus. We must accept Jesus' view of us. Next lesson. We have a, an expression in our language about having a place at the table. So a Democrat gets elected, and the unions say we'll have a place at the table. A Republican gets elected, and the business community says, well, we'll have a place at the table. That that means we get to be considerate, and our ideas are given some attention, and and we can feel like we're involved. This lady said, Lord, I don't need a place at the table. I'd be happy to sit underneath the table and just get a crumb. You don't need a place at the table. I've had people in this pastoring come visit the church, and I go by and see them, and they'd say, uh, tell me their story, and they'd say, now, could I be a deacon at your church? And I would have say, well, no, as I understand the scripture, you wouldn't qualify to be a deacon, but you'd be a bus captain, Sunday school teacher, choir member, usher, uh, soul winner. And I've had him say to me, I wouldn't go to a church where I couldn't be a deacon. Now, I never told them. But I was thinking, hey, Buster, there's a bunch of other reasons you'd never be a deacon at our church Anyway. Y'all do it however you want. There's a lot of right ways to do it. When I pastored, we typically had one deacon's meeting a year. It lasted about seven minutes. They'd come in, we'd go over the budget, talk about it, it'd be a new deacon. Now if we needed them, we'd have more. They're good men, godly men, great men. You do it however you want. I'm not saying you have to do it that way. But here's my question why did they say, Could I be a deacon? Not could I serve as, could I help, but they wanted to be something. See, the Bible says uh, the lust of the flesh, that's a desire to do, and the pride of life, that's a desire. Uh, The lust of the eye, that's a desire to have, and the pride of life, that's a desire to be, not of the Father, but of the world. Oh, we want to be somebody. We want to be important. We want to be significant. We want to be recognized. We want to be acknowledged. But I got news for you. A crumb from the table of Jesus is better than a five-course meal at a five-star restaurant. You don't need a place at the table. Be glad for a crumb from Jesus. One more lesson. And I'm through as I get older One of my mottos is, if you can't be good, be short. I have heard plenty of sermons that were neither. I have preached more than a few that were neither. Preacher read us verses 21 through 28. He didn't read verse 29. Verse 29 says, then Jesus departed thence. Now, this is really interesting. This is the only time recorded in Scripture that the Lord Jesus left the borders of the land of Israel. He walks into Tyre and Sidon, and as soon as he gets there, this lady comes. Lord, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He ministers to her, and then he leaves. The only thing he does while he's there is take care of this lady. Wow, she really got lucky, didn't she? I mean, it just so happened the only time he came, she ran into him. He took care of her, and then he left. Now, think with me a minute. Imagine that you're a friend of this lady, and we're going to be, and we're going to have an anachronism. Going to put something in a time frame that doesn't belong there. And you're talking to her, texting her on cell phone. And you know she's going to go see the Lord Jesus. How's it going? Well, not so good. I uh, I asked him to help, and he just didn't say anything. Nothing? No, not a word. Well, he's, he's probably preoccupied. I'm sure he's going to help you in a minute. It takes a little bit later. How's it going now? Well, not so good. The disciples just asked him to kick me out. Oh, he won't put up with that. No, no. Uh, he'll put them in their place. And it takes a little bit later. How's it going? Um... You know, we got a problem. He says he can't help me because I'm not Jewish. Oh, my. Well, uh, maybe something will change. I'll be praying for you. And you text a little bit later, and, and you say, what's going on? And she says, well, it's gotten really bad now. He just called me a dog. A dog? He used that word? I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. There is nothing. At any point in the story, until the very end, to give any hope, to give any encouragement to that lady, there is no indication until the last verse that the Lord Jesus is going to help her at all. But I want you to know it was his intention, and it was his plan, and it was his purpose all the while. If you miss everything else, don't forget this lesson. Even when it seems like the Lord Jesus is not helping us at all, he may be going out of his way just to help us. God gave Joseph dreams. God gave him 2 Not dreams of self-aggrandizement and self-importance and ego. No, God's purpose. the next thing happens, he's a slave. And the next thing happens, he's a prisoner. And the next thing happens, he's forgotten by a butler to whom he gives encouragement. But I want you to understand something. Joseph did not become the prime minister of Egypt and see God fulfill all of his dreams in spite of being sold as a slave and in spite of being at Potiphar's house and in spite of being lied about and being cast into prison and in spite of being forgotten oh no 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 it was because he was sold to be a slave that he ended up at Potiphar's it's because he said Potiphar's that Potiphar's wife tempted him and Joseph resisted it's because of that she got jealous and frustrated and lied about him and had him thrown in jail it's because of that he must the butlers because of that he met pharaohs because of that he became the ruler of the land of egypt second only to pharaohs because of that that there was brain in egypt and his brothers came down and bowed down just like his dream hey church don't ever forget it god's always at work he always loves you he always has your best interest at heart and even when it seems the lord jesus is not helping at all he may be going out of his way just to help you.